Hey, Marcus. Yo. You like movies? Yes, I do. Hey, uh, Outlaw Vern. Yeah. Do you like movies? Oh, yeah, I do. Oh, well, that's pretty neato. This is Zebras in America, film podcast, episode 141. That's a number palindrome. The word palindrome is not a palindrome. Palindrome is also a movie by Todd Salons, which is also not a palindrome, but that's okay. Um, We have a really one of the most popular guests. We have Outlaw Vern. Outlaw Vern uh, is is a great guy, uh, does movie criticism. We had him on on episode 123, which is to this day our most popular episode, and episode 66. So when I found out that the book that you were telling us about in the last episode, a novel, Worm on the Hook, Worm on a Hook, excuse me, had just come out, and there was a remake by Michael J. White of Sudden Death that was the most popular movie on Netflix, and I also had just watched Reuben and Eddie, we felt it's time to have you back on. All right, I'm glad to be back. <laughs> so, Worm on a Hook is like, uh, it's a, basically, I, I just finished it this morning, it's a page turner, it's basically a lot of the tropes that we love, that you like to write about, mashed up into one in a fun-to-read page-turner, you know, piece of awesome. It's it's PCP in a book. You know, you have, you have the whole, you know, killer with a hook on an island, and then you have the person with a checkered past, and they meet. And, yeah, what do you, what do you got to say about... Um, Worm on a hook. What's the hook? Sorry about that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, you described kind of the main thing I was going for is I just, I, in addition to loving action movies, I've been a horror fan since I was pretty young. And I've grown to particularly love uh, just kind of like the formulaic slasher movies if they're done well. And I just really... I came up with this idea that I thought I could combine like a Friday the 13th type of slasher story with the kind of Steven Seagal, Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, and and other types of action movies that I like and combine them into one. And so uh, I've been kind of a little bit non-specific about some of the plot elements, but um, there's a character in it that, that I I'm really excited to talk to people about and uh, who is the the hero and uh, uh, yeah, I'm glad so far, you know, I, it's, I'm not Stephen King or anything, so I've only sold however many copies, but uh, I've heard lots of nice things so far. So uh, people seem to be taking it for the way, uh, you know, appreciating it the way that I intended it. So I'm, I'm, I'm very excited to finally be sharing it with people. Nice. Yeah. I mean, the thing is you have, you have, you have a fan base. People fuck with you, Vern, you know, our, as I said, our episodes with you are some of our most listened to. I, 
I had to stop reading the comment sections on your episodes that you post on your website because I get my feelings hurt at people's criticism. <laughs> but that's on me. I'm, I'm in therapy. I recommend therapy to anybody. So I'm working on my shortcomings. And, you know, I don't know if you're aware of this because this is your fourth book. You have Nike Town, which is another novel. And you have Yippee-Ki-Yay, you know, uh, Yippee-Ki-Yay moviegoer, is that correct? Yeah, yeah. And then you also have Seagology, which is like a cult book. It's Yeah. People really love this book. I love it. I, I gave it as a gift to somebody and who's who does uh, jiu-jitsu and Aikido and martial arts and is obsessed with Scott Atkins. Like, I knew it was up his alley. And I'm trying to find another copy, and it's gone quite up in price. It is it is a popular tome. Oh, is it expensive now? Uh, yeah, it. Um, I was totally shocked when I was doing my taxes this year and discovered that it's more than ten years old. So the contract has ended. So uh, the rights have reverted to me. So um, it's. I'm not sure if they how many copies are out there still, but I'm sure there's lots of used copies you could get if they're not new. Yeah, I mean, I just, <coughs> again, what what drew me to your writing is that you write about everything with, with love and veneration, even if you have problems with it. So Seagology just has this undeniable, unpretentious earnestness to it that I think is undeniable, you know, maybe you, maybe you make a new one with a Ford by like Vladimir Putin or something. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if I've mentioned this on previous episodes, but I'm in kind of a weird place where I, I still love those movies, but after everything that has happened with Seagal as a person, uh, I've been kind of taking a break, like not, not there's several now that I haven't watched and I bought his crazy book but I haven't finished reading it and uh I don't know I have complicated feelings about it but I'm still extremely proud of that book and I I often think about if I could do some sort of a follow-up which would definitely have dark territory as the subtitle and yeah uh, well that happens I mean honestly like any art whether we're talking like authors painters sculptors rappers producers there's a lot of great work done by terrible people so i think most human beings can you know relate to you even someone who like yourself you've dedicated so much of what you do to this one entity and it turns out oh well that's well that's the dis 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 disappointing i i I go through that i don't i don't want to say daily but i think you know yeah i don't think it's anything to feel too weird about because it 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 happens I understand, but it happens. Yeah, we recently did a decade, like, retrospective of our favorite movies of the the past decade. Oh, thank you. Oh, cool. Thanks. Yeah. And and we were like, oh, a lot of these people have fallen out of favor. A lot of these people have turned out to be garbage. A lot of these people... So, I think a, a big... I A big under lying theme of what we've been what we're going to be working on for a long time is how to appreciate understand 
and grapple with art by people that might be pieces of shit. Yeah. And also that was, that was that was my big word version of it, obviously. And another way, you know, whether it's an album or a movie, it's like I know like the one person thing, but you got, you know, it's a, and this isn't I'm just I'm not talking at really necessarily a two run, but for those listening, it's like if you have a movie, there's a whole cast, there's editors, cinematographers, directors, you know, so it's like I understand one person involved might be terrible, but it's like you have to remember that like literally 99 point whatever percent of the rest of the people involved in the thing didn't do it. So while I understand that one person might be the face, it's like there's so many other people that made this thing or this piece of art what it is. So it's kind of like don't, you know, I'm not going to say a blanket thing, but depending on the situation, don't completely ride something off, you know, like that's just how I look at it. But it depends, yeah, case no, to case. I agree, but it's just, it's an unusual case because it's like this guy that was in most, maybe not most, but in many circles was considered kind of a laughing stock. And I was writing the book partly to as a defense of his right. movies and to say, like, these movies are, are a lot of fun. And I, which is completely true, but, uh, you know, it really, it's it's bad to hear things he's been accused of and, and, uh, get i don't maybe i I don't know if i told you this either but uh during the 2016 election uh he was still on twitter a lot and during one of the debates i i i uh failed to restrain myself and i replied to one of his uh tweets about like how's the debate going and uh, he he quote tweeted me and i was inundated for like four days with just you know, trolls and bots oh, God. Uh, with all kinds of, what you know, disinformation about Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, that sort of thing. And, uh, yeah. and I later found out that he, I figured out that he literally was in Russia at the time that it happened. And it's just, yeah, it's very, very bizarre circumstances. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, like, it's one thing to disagree about what we like on pizza toppings. It's another thing to disagree about how we feel human beings should be treated. And while I do love a lot of Steven Seagal's movies, um, I used to go see his movies with my dad when he was still alive, rest in peace. Exit Wounds was surprisingly good. You know, what? I wonder what's going on with Dragon sometimes. And, you know, if you can find it, it's basically been scrubbed from the Internet. But his SNL episode is really something. And (laughs) I mean, I I know you have you're you're quite the completest. But, you know, when I when I emailed you the other day, I was randomly talking about the director, Trent Harris, who is someone I'm really obsessed with right now because our friend of the show, Carlo sent me a copy of Ruben Eddy and the, and the, um, Ruben and Ed, Ruben and Ed. Sorry. I'm, I'm not great with exact names. That's That's me. Uh, the Beaver trilogy as well. And you were like, Oh, I just saw a documentary about the Beaver trilogy. And I saw Ruben and Ed when I came out, which is all to say that Steven Seagal's SNL performance could have been written by Trent Harris. It's that bizarre. (laughs) <laughs> that being said, you know, 
he's said some he's said and is behind some really troubling things and that that is a hard thing and that's that's something that we're all trying to trying to unpack these days because the world the world is a hurt place and art is sometimes our only refuge you know what i mean Vern? yeah yeah but at the same time uh i just have to remember that the things that i loved about those movies are still you know whether or not the person portraying them is is real uh you know, he still made a big speech about the environment at the end of On Deadly Ground that is yeah. like kind of hilarious, but also like undeniably true and ahead of its time. And, you know, kind of it was seen as an ego thing at the time, which I'm sure is accurate. But at the same time, it was a brave thing to do because it kind of sank his his A-list career. And, you know, like. I, I can still appreciate and respect those things, even though he's not a good person. Right. Cause it's like, you, you know, people that have been, you know, it's like him and Marlon Brando, you know what I mean? Talking about, you know, the rights of indigenous Americans, you know, on a big scale, obviously there's more. And, yeah. And, but it's just interesting. And yeah. Do you know about, do you know about a, Scott Adkins YouTube show, The Art of Action. Yeah, been, I, I watched uh, this ago. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've been hearing good things. Give us a good segue. Yeah. Oh, well, it's great, but I was reminded of that because he, he recently interviewed Seagal. Uh, but, but yeah, it's it's an amazing show. It's a, it's, I don't usually do video podcasts, but this one really works because it's Scott Adkins uh, interviewing a lot of legends of, yep. of action movies. Uh, some behind the scenes, mostly mostly stars, like including Michael J. Wyatt and Tony Jaa and and people like that. And he, uh, it's he's he's a good interviewer, and it's great because he comes both from the perspective of having been a fan growing up on a lot of these people's movies, uh, but also being an action star himself and having experience doing stunts and choreography and things like that. So it's it's like a perspective that nobody else, almost nobody else could offer in an interview. Yeah. Um, and then sometimes it's people he's worked with, like Michael J. White. And um, and then like he did Mark Dacascos and they were both so yep. complimentary of each other and excited to talk to each other. And it's just, it's, it's really good. And then it, it, he'll uh, show clips from their movies and talk about specific moves and stuff. Like it's just really great. I, yeah. I, I think highly recommend I, it. I think that's like a new thing happening now in podcast. I was, I was, I mean, I'm glad you said that. It's like you're you're familiar with the field that you're talking about because I'm noticing that in rap. It's like, um, you know, for a bit now, Lord Jamar, brand newbie, has had a podcast, and now Royce the Five Nine and Lupe Fiasco are starting a podcast, which is cool. I when it's know. like actual lyric, yeah, it hasn't popped off yet, but it's like actual like not even just rappers, but guys who are known as like lyricists can like talk and break stuff down. You also, know, like, like that. Nor- so I'm, you know. Yeah, also Noriega has a that's has right. a great that's podcast. Right. Oh, duh. Jesus, duh. Budden, Joe, um, well, Joe Budden's kind of he's in Joe limbo Budden, right now, but yeah, uh, Matt Hoffa has a podcast that's, that's pretty right. good. Oh, the barbersh. Oh, yeah, the barbershop podcast. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's there's yeah. that British rapper who has a podcast. I forgot his Dugius Scroobius Pip. Oh, I don't oh, know yeah. that one. Oh, Quest Loves is really good. He's oh, I didn't know. I, damn, I didn't realize he had a podcast. And, and how yeah, am I Quest even Supreme. 
Yeah, and how am I forgetting like the best podcast right now? It is what it is with Prince Paul and um, oh, Open Mike Eagle. Open right. Mike yeah, Eagle. That, yeah. That's great. I well, just finished the last episode of that. Which did is you listen sad. to his his previous podcast that that he yeah. had like back in like 2013, 2014, 2015? It was like quietly a great podcast, but no one like he had Mark Maron on. He had he had like some big guests, but it was like. No one ever talked about it. It was really weird, but like he had a podcast for like three years. But yeah, I guess I, not. Yeah, I should check that out. He's yeah, yeah that's I'm, another example. He's just such a good interviewer, as being both a fan and in some ways a peer. And sure, he, yeah, he's a great interviewer. Yeah, and yeah, uh, yeah. I think there is something about a podcast about having someone who really knows how the sausage is made, and knows what they're doing. Because there's a lot of people. Who are who are savants in what they can do, but you know the art of action episode with Scott Atkins and Cynthia Rothrock, just like talking how thing talking how it's all made had me smiling from ear to ear. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and because he he just he really loves this stuff and he really has physical and emotional intelligence. And Cynthia Rothrock, who is a much better person than Steven Seagal, just has a really good way about her. I just, I I love her. Do you, uh, what I do too. Yeah, yeah. That what, story what about you, how she was almost in a in the Friedkin movie. Yeah, that was crazy. <laughs> she was paid for it, but it never happened. I also I love her presence in that. Um, what was the Amazon? Documentary, The Last Action Heroes, and um, yeah, I think oh, Searching yeah. for the Last Action Hero, right? I, I, I loved, I loved the fact that she was like, she's so calm and collective, but at a certain point, she was just like, why wasn't I inexpendable? Like she casually is, like, yeah, why was you know, yeah, and but didn't sound bitter, but like didn't she was just like, hey, the facts are what they are. It's like, yeah, I am what I am. How come I wasn't? But it wasn't like, oh, f those guys. Like I, she, she was one yeah. of my, yeah, yeah. Her, her and Shane Black were my two favorite, like people in 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 that doc yeah i didn't care for that movie so much but i do love shane black Mm -hmm. um iron man 3 is my favorite superhero movie he's written some some of my favorite action movies and cynthia rathrock is should have been in the expendables i think that goes without saying percent wasn't she in that one called mercenaries that was like the asylum women version yeah yep i think she was yeah she better have been i kind of like that one i also Um, it's so weird too that like i do you feel do you feel like it's almost like and i don't mean this in an insulting way to him but it's like a waste that technically scott atkins was in the expendables but like he wasn't like one of the build like you know scott atkins also you know he was just one of the like you know van damme's henchmen um yeah i think they just didn't realize what they had at the time and sure, um, sure. I remember actually uh, Statham did an interview at the time that he talked about how he felt bad that they didn't have enough time to do a real fight scene and that he thought Scott Atkins was amazing and stuff. Oh, oh well, that's good to know. Okay, well. Did, yeah, did they ever do a fight scene ever? I think they have a like a really short fight in, in was that part two? I forget. Yeah, Volant, with the, yeah, Van Damme. Yeah, uh, yeah Van Damme was great in that though. Oh my okay. gosh, That's best true. thing about it. Best thing about that movie, absolutely. <laughs> and if I, I, you I, know, I love Van Damme's the, uh, character actor 
era. Yeah, I mean, JCVD is one of my favorite uh, Belgian movies of <laughs> the aughts. And no, yeah, it's the aughts, not the tens. What a fabulous movie. And um, I could also just... The, the Fast and the Furious movies just keep on getting better. And I could totally see Scott Atkins in there. Or, or you know, um, you were just talking about Tony Jaa. And yeah. as a lot of people who listen to this show know, I am a blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But because of this pandemic... I I haven't been able to practice in many months, but there is a movie with Tony Jaa coming out called Jiu-Jitsu with Nicolas Cage, and I think you, Vern, and I are pretty excited about it. <laughs> Extremely excited. It's, uh, it also has Frank Grillo in it. Yes. Um, and who's who's an incredible action star. Yeah, I like him a lot. And then... Um, Boss level looks excellent. Oh yeah, um, I, I'm also a big fan of the writer director of this, uh, of Jujitsu, or at least his his last movie, which was Kickboxer Retaliation. Great uh, movie. The the yeah. new Kickboxer series is pretty good. I know. Yeah. I like it a lot. He he wrote the Kickboxer Vengeance, and then he took over to also direct for Retaliation, which I think is the better of the two. Although I like them both. Uh, so I was excited for whatever he would do next. And then all of a sudden, it turns out it's a movie with Nicolas Cage and Tony Jaa and uh, the same star as Kickboxer, Alan Moussi, or Moussa. Yeah. And then uh, he's playing a human who has to fight an alien to protect the Earth. <laughs> they, they, they have a, every generation does a duel against an alien or something. Nice. Yeah, if he Baron Bolos an alien, I am going to I'm going to do a jump kick. I <laughs> I'm so excited for this. There's very little I look forward to this year, but there's there's so much in this that excites me. Yeah. I don't know if there's going to be much actual jiu-jitsu, but Frank Grillo is a jiu-jitsu practitioner. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I kind of um, thought they would change the name eventually, but they haven't. No. It, seem, it yeah, seems oh, a little... Now that you... It, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Now that you say that, it just makes sense. He uh, A couple years ago, he did this movie, Donnie Brook, which is like really big on... Well, towards the end, it's essentially about like a fighting tournament, even though it's not a fighting tournament movie. But some of the stuff he does in it, I was like, oh, wow. But now that Scott just said that, it's like, okay, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard yeah, good things he, about that movie. What's that? Don, the Donnybrook? Yeah, I haven't seen it, but I'd, I'd had that recommended to me before. Oh. Eh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just one guy. guy. I'm one guy. Oh, Frank Grillo is menacing. Oh, if we're talking yeah. about just Frank Grillo, he's super menacing in that movie. He, he, he absolutely plays his part. Yeah. Did you see, uh, was it called Point Blank? The, uh, the Joe Lynch movie that he was in? Uh, it's no. like a Netflix thing, and it's a remake of a French movie, uh, but he was good in it, and he's like, he has the most cartoonish-looking veins popping out of his arms when he's when he's buffed yeah. out. It's, he's, <laughs> he is really brolic in that movie. That's uh, that's with uh, Anthony Mackie, 
Oh, that's right. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It was no, pretty good. I, I, know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I ain't mad at it. You know, in in this shit show of a world, any any action escapism works for me. I enjoyed Point Blank. Oh, did you like the uh, the Charlize Theron Netflix movie? Oh, The Old Guard. Yeah, the I The Old did. Guard, yeah. It's pretty good. Yeah, it was cool. It was a I little... Like, the the action was pretty good, and then it was a little more emotional than I thought it would be, which I like. And it's kind of yeah. it's very Highlandery, which I like in a way. You know, Definitely. Wise. And uh, yeah. you know, uh, uh, I have I have so many thoughts, but you know, do you wanna do you wanna circle back and talk a little bit more about your book a little bit? Sure. Um. If you, so you, so you read it, would you, um, I don't have any good questions. Okay. I'm just, you know, I just, <laughs> oh, sorry. No, I, no, I guess, we, no, we were just trying to set, set, set you up if you wanted to just kind of like plug it, say, say more stuff about it. You know, I, I, you know, I will say though, correct me if I'm wrong, but 2019 you had some vague tweets about this book or like the idea behind it or am I wrong uh I'm not probably I don't remember what you're talking about but I've been working on it for for quite a while uh the basic idea I've had for years and years and then uh I think I I finished the the manuscript about two years ago and then mm-hmm. was just tinkering with it forever. And then when we first went into lockdown and I didn't know that we would still be this way this this much later, I but I told myself if I don't finish that book, I'm going to feel like such an asshole. And so I really, you know, put some elbow grease in and finally finished it. And, uh, and it's self-published and I'm very bad, as you can tell, at promoting myself but i um I, I felt like in the situation where we're in i've i've personally have read a lot more books than than i had in years and uh, bookstores kind of don't exist at the moment in most places so sure it's a good time to just have a have something out there i hope yeah you you were able to finish a book at the end of quarantine self-publish it and I, I'm holding it in my hands. That's me flicking the pages. <laughs> and, you know, it was it was exciting. It, you know, you can really tell your love for the cinema that you've been that you've been celebrating and writing about for so long. And like aside from Silent Rage, how many martial arts horror movies are there? Not too many. Uh, yeah, I'd never actually seen that until fairly recently when someone, I think I was looking for action horror recommendations and someone told me that that's, that one is really good. It's really well directed. But, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, Chuck, Chuck Norris, Chuck Norris is also another guy who's, you know, when you find out more about him, it's, it's difficult to like him. (laughs) And even though we're talking about jujitsu and you know, he helped 
the Los Angeles, California empire of jujitsu because he was he was practicing jujitsu in someone's um, back like uh, garage, and he was like, "Can I just buy you guys a dojo so I don't have to drive to this garage anymore?" So he bought one of the first Gracie uh, gyms in California, and one of the Gracies was a fight coordinator on Lethal Weapon with another guy that we've talked about a couple times that is not the easiest guy to like, Mel Gibson. And <laughs> he finishes in the first Lethal Weapon movie, he finishes the movie with a triangle. So Yeah, he does. That's a great fight. Yeah. I wish there was well, a little more. Scene. Yeah. I wish there was a little more in it. I think you know why I, I I say that to myself now, but when you think about it, like in the '80s, especially yeah, in the '80s, the it's kind of like it was super new. Yeah, I yeah. think the only thing that comes to mind before that is in um, Fist of Fury when uh, Bruce Lee has to fight the he's been in a couple the 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 white henchman guy. He puts him in an armbar, and that was the '70s. But other than those, those are like the only two I can really kind of think of. You know, at that. At that time, oh, I think Jim, I think John Saxon does that to Bolo, a, a variation of that to Bolo and 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 Enter the Dragon, but still, it's just yeah. like those are a small handful of examples. And there's and uh, Scott Adkins does an armbar on a boxer in Deck Collectors too. Yeah, he does. <laughs> Which we were all excited about the last time I was on. We uh, were. Yeah. We were about to see it, and it turned out to be mm-hmm. very good. I liked yeah, it a lot. I liked it. Yeah. Me too. Cool. Yeah, I hope they continue to make more deck collectors. People seem to like them. So, yeah, those two just have such a great uh, chemistry, and they're they're really funny together. And it's got this kind of Elmore Leonard kind of feel to it. I think. And oh, thousand percent. Oh, thousand percent. Did you think now, now that the movie's been out and people have had a chance to see it? When I saw the obviously how the first debt collector ends and then when you see the trailer i thought they were going to go for like a sixth sense type deal i thought they were going to go all out like kind of crazy did, 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 did you get that vibe because i feel like anytime there's like a you know that secret window the johnny Depp movie or like um again sixth sense anytime like he's there but not there the way they made it in the trailer you know mandalar hadn't interacted with anyone except him in the trailer and I, I feel like that couldn't yeah. have been done on purpose, but I just remember saying, it's like, oh, are they really going to do... And normally, I don't want anything to do with that, but it's kind of like, oh, I think that's kind of cool. But you know, I really liked how they did, did it, did, though. Did. Because it, sure. was, it was kind of like, we all knew that they must have been dead, and they just treated it like, can you believe somehow that didn't kill us? And it's, right. kind, <laughs> and it's kind of a joke at first. I mean, it is a joke at first, but then yeah. like maybe halfway through the movie, there's a scene where the two of them are in a hotel room together drinking and just having a conversation about dying or almost dying that's very like sincere and emotional and they somehow they totally have earned having that scene in the middle of this this action movie and i thought i thought it was great yeah i just i i liked it i liked that they were that marina certis showed up in there you know i'm a trucker through and through so you know, Deanna Troy as as a Russian gangbanger was <laughs> that was that was worth it for me. Uh, you know, uh, you know what movie I'm also pretty excited about for the end of the year. What's that? Uh, Arch Enemy with Joe Manganiello. Oh, I don't know that I, one. Yeah, so it's like 
He says he's a superhero from another dimension, but it's unclear that if that's true or not. Oh, okay, I've heard of that. It, who, who made that one? Do you know? Um, Adam Egypt Mortimer. Oh, okay. He did. Uh, Daniel, Daniel isn't isn't real. real. Yeah. yeah, and so it, you know, it, it's the little things. I'm, I'm pretty, you know. I need I need action and sci-fi in my life right now. I'm just having a lot of trouble with stuff that's a little that has a little too much verisimilitude. I hear that. Yeah. Um, also, speaking of which, speaking of strange ass tone, how is Welcome to Sudden Death basically Mighty Ducks with violence? <laughs> Or Airbud with violence. Yes, yeah, it's, like, it's Airbud MVP. It's got the tone of a '90s direct-to-video sequel, Disney direct-to-video sequel. Most of it, thanks to Gary Owen, I think he's kind of the. He was my main issue with that movie because you know I don't want I, I don't want to be totally negative because the young girl that played his daughter was awesome. I thought she was really cool. Yeah, she was. But, she um, was funny. but yeah, Gary Owen kind of it's. it's I understand you need a sidekick in there. I'm sure, you know, Gary Owen is a... He's a cool guy. I just think the way he played it, he was my main issue. That kind of took me out. Because Michael J. White always does his thing. I just think that was kind of a big uh, <laughs> uh, issue for me. But Yeah, I, I talked about this in my review, but I I wasn't familiar with him. And so I've now read... Oh, and, wow. I've now read and learned how he's very popular from BET and stuff. But I had no Comic idea who he was. And so I honestly... Yeah assumed that he was some like nascar guy or something doing a cameo <laughs> he's like the opposite of that. he's he's like the hey this is the cool white guy who's like you know the black people love him he's like like that's his thing and he plays it up a little bit too but yeah, the, yeah exactly yeah yeah i understand that funny. now but his whole that. his vibe was like athlete doing a comedic skit yeah, yeah. <laughs> but y- yeah. yeah yeah the whole it's also very like over lit and clean looking and and everything Very. but um you know it's not on the level of debt collectors and stuff like that but I, I i also thought it was a fun movie and the fight scenes were really well done and and it's kind of like a formula that i love so of the die hard on a blank yeah. yeah i mean i to this day because of you i tell people about die hard on a piano and people are just like <laughs> This this can't be real, and then they rent grand piano, and they're like, "It is real, and it is great," and yeah, it's just like, I do like that. The modern twist is like, you must give me blockchain money. Like the whole <laughs> yeah. conceit yeah. is that these di- that these disgraced soldiers want like Bitcoin, and Michael J. White, who is you know. He's he's a check he's a guy with a checkered past, you know. Well, he who's just trying to, who's trying to impress his kids. But I liked that he, although they used the standard, mm-hmm. he was in Afghanistan or, or unnamed Middle Eastern country. Um, I did like that it wasn't like he had PTSD or anything like that. It's just he's just a normal guy, and he's yeah. like a nice father, and he just uh, works a little bit too much, but not in a. Not in an over-the-top way. Just as it's just to bring the kids. Fun fun fact, 
the director of Welcome to Sudden Death, Dallas Jackson, is a producer on Ghost Dog 2. Wait, what? Is this really going to happen, though? Yeah, I was going to say, is, that, is this a real thing? I didn't make that up. Oh, boy. I mean, I know, is this is this the Batista thing that he'd been talking about, or is this something else? Batista? The, the, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah on, on, on a series of podcasts, this is during his Guardians of the Galaxy run, so this is 2013. He said he was he had this little mini campaign. He was like, I want to make a Ghost Dog 2. I know how it can be done. Um but it was like on all the wrestling podcasts, and it, it, it never took off. But he he was serious. He said he wrote the story and all that stuff. Wait, are we? We're talking about RZA, or hmm? are you talking? No, about no, 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 no. Batista, Dave Batista wanted to do. He wow. wanted to do a Ghost Dog too, and he was saying that like he knew a way that it could be done. Because I know RZA has also said that he wrote one. Yeah. Oh. 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 And it was. Well, I said, at, yeah. Oh, I, I did not know that. And at one point, it was. Like maybe a year or two ago, they said it was going to be a TV series. Yes, they're working on a TV series. That's how they're going to sequel it. And all of those people that we've talked about are rumored to be involved. I mean, the actress, the young actress that played Perlene, she's an adult now. You know, yeah. she's because that movie was 21 years ago and she was already like 11. Wow, she's in her 30s now. So I guess it could, you know. I'm excited that it's finally coming out on Criterion. Yeah. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's other, there's several Jim Jarmusch movies on Criterion, and there's all these samurai classics. It was so perfect. It was like, how does, how has this not happened? And now it's finally happening. Exactly. They, I mean, they even have Le Samurai yeah, on cri- Criterion, yeah. you know, so it's like it only, it, it absolutely only makes sense. So, and the, yeah. and the existing DVD uh, is terrible on modern TVs. And, which I, yep, which I have. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It might be it's, one of the first like pieces of physical media that I might that, that I'm gonna buy in, in, in quite some time. Oh yeah. Absolutely. What They're what's also, your favorite what's your favorite Jim Jarmus movie? Oh, definitely Ghost Dog. I I mean I wow. like him oh, wow. I like him in general, but Ghost Dog is just so up my alley with the samurai thing and the Rizza soundtrack, uh which is finally coming out in the US. Uh, like the actual soundtrack. I hated that back yeah. in the day the soundtrack had like three beats and you had to go to other music, rest in peace, to find the European version, which was like 30 bucks. Yeah, I had, I still have a the Japanese CD dubbed from from a friend named Josh, rest in peace also. Uh, rest in peace, program. Josh. Rest in peace. <laughs> I'm, I'm drink- no, seriously, yeah. I'm drinking a beer right now, so... If you can hear this, that's me pouring out a little bit for Josh. Thank you. But I ordered it on vinyl now. But nice. I'll, I'll, I'll keep the CD. You can have both, you know. Um, do you, did you like uh, The Man with the Iron Fist or The Man with the Iron Fist 2? I like both of them quite a bit. Uh, I... I think there's a. I have some issues with the way that the fights are shot, but uh, I just love. I just love the, or at least in the first one, but I just loved the mythology of it, and especially after watching it a couple times. And I, I, the director's cut, I, I think is a little better because it has, like, the Falcon Clan and a little more crazy stuff in it. Like, I just mm-hmm. love the, just all the concepts he has for 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 weapons and and factions in this in this strange world that he has and then uh 
this the sequel is not as extravagant as the first one but no, it also not. has a pretty solid story and it has he he's a better actor in the second one i think yeah sure uh, um yeah i i really like those movies a lot I do, you know, it's also, he's like faced for like a first time full on, you know, like film director. He was faced with like, you know, certain like behind the scenes challenges where it's like, again, he's, you know, the producer, he's, I'm using air quotes head of Wu-Tang. So he's handled a lot of things, but it's also like to jump into a situation where like, I don't know if you know the details about like the scheduling conflicts, like Russell Crowshot had to shoot everything within uh, 10 days. So it's like, it, it's yeah. common, you know, like, you know, the movie is shot out of order, but the, but the whole, he scheduled so much of it around Russell Crowe's character that like, you know, like the first scene, one of the first scenes is towards the end where Russell Crowe jumps out at the last minute to stop the, 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 the army from shooting people. It, it's, it's all, it's all over the place. Like Batista still had his foot in wrestling. Like there, there was a lot going on and he, he pulled it off well. And wasn't and it I filmed think... in China? That too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that couldn't have been the easiest thing i think yeah i think with i think with the sequel you know not being directed by riza and having much lower stakes allows it to just be like a more enjoyable Mm -hmm. um not it's not i don't think it's better but you just feel like calmer about it like it's just it's existing in its own world and as Someone who's really into the idea of Dungeons and Dragons and Magic the Gathering and role-playing games. And I've been reading old cyberpunk books and stuff. I like world-building. I like that sort of, you know, fantasy element, you know. Yeah. I really I really liked Into the Badlands, the television show, you know, back... Did, did either of y'all check that, that show out? No, but I have another friend who'd been... Urging me to see it um, as well. I, I saw a little bit of it. You know, it. it I like really the good fight. fights for TV, definitely. Yeah, for TV, it had great fights. It had great guys showing up in there. It the storyline definitely borrowed from a lot of things, a little too much. But yeah, I like I like the Man with the Iron Fist one and two, and it was just kind of an enjoyable. Those were enjoyable movies. And when you and I were emailing Vern, I was talking to you about Reuben and Ed. Um, And you had seen Reuben and Ed. Yeah, probably not since the 90s, I'd guess. Same. Scott, like, he had (laughs) got me the movies, like, you should watch it. And I was like, Reuben and Ed. And then, like, I just Googled it. I was like, oh, this movie that... I rented the bootleg of it at the local video store down the street from my house, which had all the cool, like, boot- yeah, I was like, oh, this movie. And then, because, you know, back then, everyone was fascinated about that Letterman appearance that Crispin Glover had. Right, so... Because yeah. that's his name. Ru- and I was like, oh, and that's yeah. how that all came Ru- together. Ruben and Ed is a, like, travel buddy road trip psychedelic independent comedy film directed by Terrence Harris that came out in 1991. You know, starring Crispin Glover and Howard Hesseman, and it's just when it's just a very weird, strange movie that never stops. It just keeps on going. It it's got this like it's got this strange combo of like 
Sega Genesis music meets David Byrne meets The X Files. You know, it's just two sad men in the desert trying to find meaning. You got vibes of like Repo Man or Jerry or Joanna Hogg or The Absolutely People. Or Roadside Prophets. I, I was I was reminded of Roadside Prophets, this, yeah. this whole movie, which is such an underrated movie that I keep hoping gets rediscovered, especially like in the whole Twittersphere uh, universe. And you got like, yeah, and you got Dust Devil vibes, oh, Cyborg, yeah. Yeah, yeah, True yeah, yeah. Story. That Bob Balaban movie you like, uh, Marcus, uh, Parents. Parents. Look, I had this whole theory that between, it was like, between like 88 and 92, there were these like series of movie. it was like, you know, from, yeah, like Parents, uh, you know, Roadside Prophets, Meet the Applegates, there's this like, uh, Freaked, there's this like tone, there's this weird tone that, that happened during that like four or five year period. Backward? That, yeah. What, what's that? that? Can we throw the dark backward in there? Oh, I, I don't know. I, Do you know what's that? that? I don't know that. No, it's a, it's a it's directed by Adam Rifkin, and uh, Judd Hirsch plays like this terrible comedian. He's almost like a Neil Hamburger kind of. Oh, this Jesus! This is another Ruben and Ed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yes. Okay, yeah. and also yes. enter entertainment yes. entertainment with with Neil with Hell Hamburger. Yeah. Hell yeah! Which actually has some Ruben and Ed the, vibes. I wonder if, I mean, Rick Alverson claims to, like, never have seen movies and blah, blah, blah. But I feel like, damn, Vern, now that you just said this, now I'm like the dark. But I mean, even down <laughs> to, like, the way Judd Nelson dresses in this movie. Oh, my God. Well, he's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah, different yeah, yeah, yeah. in that he's very meek. He's not like a. Sure, sure. But just yeah. like the over the, the comb over the glass, like, oh, man. Wow. Wow. Yeah. But I, I agree, like, every one of those movies you just listed was a movie that I loved at that time and or at least yeah. really liked and. And like River's Edge, obviously, like oh yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, so when I brought up this movie, what were you? What you were like? What is this weirdo talking about? You're uh, sorry, I interrupted you. What's that? I interrupted you, Vern. Oh, oh, I thought you were talking. Oh, yeah. Oh, I was. uh, Who's the weirdo? Me. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) No, I, I, uh, yeah, like it's interesting because. Just like a lot of those movies you just listed, uh, I feel like, at least for people I knew with the in- sharing interests with me and people around my age, like Reuben and Ed was a was like a huge cult movie on VHS. And then it actually never came to DVD unless you got it directly from Trent Harris. And now yeah. I believe it just came out on Blu-ray, right? Is that how you saw it? Well, um, Trent Harris has a wonderful website where you can rent where you can buy all of his movies for $25. Oh wow. And The Dark Backward is on Amazon Prime and let me tell you I just put it on my watch list. Yeah, I need to get refamiliar. This is another one of those movies where you're like in when I was like late junior high I was like we used to watch this all the time and then I just literally forgot about it until now and now it's like all coming back to me. It's it's got a very yeah. disgusting Bill Paxton performance. Right? He plays yep. a really scummy character. And Bill Paxton and you are have in common that you're surprising lovers of rap music. Bill Paxton was a big fan of People Under the Stairs, the rap group. <laughs> I did not know that. And was a well, mentor specific, was a yeah. mentor to Murs. And really his his because he was just like a good dad 
his yeah. son was really into independent rap music and he like got into it with him and he he ended up becoming actual like in real life friends with Vinnie Paz pa- Paxton did yeah yeah wow he talks about it on, on on a Joe Rogan episode too how he was like he met him once and they were cool and then like he saw him on television Vinnie Paz said he randomly saw him on television once and they're like what are you listening to and he and then uh, Bill Paxton said oh Jedi says, Mind Tricks is great Jedi and Mind Vinnie Paz was like wait People what this, he says on this there's <laughs> yeah. a there's a, a a video of him talking about people under the stairs, Jedi mind tricks, That's murders, probably it, yeah. and he just like liked independent rap music. Wow! And you also like independent rap music, and yeah, if you go to um, Terrence um, Trent Harris, what, uh, Trent Harris, sorry, uh, I was thinking about Terrence Trent DRB, who's like <laughs> the like less interesting prince. By a landslide. Um, Bingo. Sorry. Uh, nah, I need to say sorry. He was kind of a jerk. So. Trent Harris. Trent Harris's website looks like it hasn't been updated in a long time. Except you can buy all of his DVDs for twenty five bucks. And yeah, he's got. He has like a movie about the Khmer Rouge. And so yeah, he's been making movies, and not just Reuben and Ed. Or, you know, he's just been making movies. I, I think I'm going to send him an email, see if he wants to get on get on the oh, show. Yeah. Because I, he's, he's, he's low-key my favorite new director right now. I mean, the Beaver Trilogy? Yeah, I was going to recommend, because uh, I actually saw, uh, he has one called Plan 10 from Outer Space. Yes. And I saw him present that at a movie theater in sometime in the probably late 90s and i think that was also when i first saw uh the orkley kid which is the version with crispin glover uh do we i guess we should explain what the beaver trilogy is yeah definitely. Yes. <laughs> have you seen it marcus i absolutely have i saw it courtesy of scott I, I saw it for the first time the other day and it's like i instantly fell in love with it it, it also kind of made me go back and like you know like the like it, it's it's a movie like Shut Up Little Man, it just like kinda eclipses a movie like that where it's just about these filmmakers who are like obsessed with this guy that they used to know and they're still trying to you know, it, it's 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 in the vein of, I, I feel like now that I know about it, it paved the way for like Shut Up Little Man, Winnebago Man, you know, stuff like that. It was just like ahead of its time. So Yeah. Yeah, I love that movie. And, so basically it's a yeah, trilogy they... because he when he was working for a TV station he met this this funny guy that was doing imitations and uh, talking to him on camera. And then uh, he found out that this guy wanted to go uh, to like, a, is it like a school talent show that he does or it's a local mm-hmm. talent show where he perform performs as Olivia Newton, John. Yeah. Uh, Olivia Newton, Don. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, people don't react uh, well to that in this in this town and so he later Trent Harris wanted to make a short film out of it and he made a version with Sean Penn and then mm-hmm. he made another one with Crispin Glover which was his third attempt so that's why it's a trilogy uh, and it's an, it's you know it's hard to explain why it's so so great but it's like it's like uncomfortable and funny but also kind of sweet and you kind of like really love this 
this guy for exactly. putting himself out there. Uh, and the documentary, yeah, so, which is called the Beaver Trilogy Part Four, is is a. They explain that whole story of how it came about, and then they kind of like try to track down people, you know, try and find out what happened to this guy that the whole thing was based on, and uh, and it's it's really interesting because not only do they they find his family and talk to people who were there at the time that it happened, but also just a lot of it is about Trent Harris kind of having to face, uh, you know, things things that he maybe has felt guilty about uh, having put this guy's life out there and things that he seems like he's in kind of in denial about, but he kind of seems to learn from the experience of this documentary. It's, 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 it's really good. Yeah. Because, because dressing up like Olivia Newton, John in 1979 is not, you know, it, in Utah is sort of how you yeah, expect it might go. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So, and there is a kindness to, to Trent Harris that, that you don't get in, in Alex Cox, who's like, who I see some comparisons to in my brain. I don't know if they've been compared to in the real world, but. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. It's like there's I mean, a danger of it being sort of like a freak show, but, uh. And I'm sure some people would consider it that, but I I feel like I agree with you. I feel like he just really loves, uh, you know, eccentricities and individuality, and and he wants to sort of celebrate the strange beauty of of the world. And you know, to bring this like back though, like almost you know, kind of full circle. It's also it's like I mean, they do different things, but it's like. One's a performer, but Trent is also a filmmaker. So it's like they both do art and they both create, even though it's quite different. I still feel that it's just like, I think that's where that soft spot comes into, where it's like he knows what this what it's like to like do something and present it to folks and have it not be liked or liked or, or whatever. So I think there's that connection too, which goes back to kind of like what we were saying before, where it's like, you know, folks who start a podcast who actually participate in the art that they're talking about. Yeah. If that makes any sense, I, I, I think I, I think that, that, that there has to be a little bit of that in, in, in the Beaver trilogy. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I like I like when there's kindness in in the psychedelic hellholes we live in, you know. Not everything has to be so mean. Sometimes there's yeah. just like a lot of eccentrics. You know, I grew up in New York City. Uh, I'm in my late 30s. And I just grew up with a lot of weirdos. And, you know, I love them. Some of them are nice. Some of them aren't. You know, you ever seen a guy do 100 push-ups, 50 pull-ups, 20 one-legged squats, and then grab a can of uh, Chef Boyardee cold and drink it? Drink a can of, of, of ravioli Chef Boyardee? And go. I needed the starch. <laughs> no, but that um, sounds like something out of Reuben and Ed. <laughs> that's that. That's a true story. It's something that I saw happen, and that's <laughs> just, you know, that's what we do. Like there's, there's a lot of. That's something that I do miss. You know, I I, I left I left New York City a couple months ago. I live in Baltimore, 
and I haven't I haven't met the eccentrics yet. I have met a couple, but the world the world ain't the world ain't what it used to be. So you know, people, sure. it's harder to meet new people, and I fucking miss movie theaters, gentlemen. Yeah, I do. So, some days I do. Yeah, the whole experience. It, it's not even that. It's just like. It's two things. I love going by myself, but then I also love going with folks and being able to talk about it, like, right after. You know, depending on the movie, obviously. The the snacks, the, the everything. Just the going out. So, yeah. Yeah. I smelled popcorn recently and started thinking of theaters. And, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> I, know, I know the next time I step in one, I'm just going to start crying. Huh. Oh, someone, I, I feel like someone has to do something cool about like chronicling the. I, I know it's gonna be because it's still there's people going to theaters now, so it's not like this mass like okay everyone can go like people are going now, but just someone kind of chronicling the whole like return and kind of edging back into mo- to movie theaters. I don't know if it's like a a short documentary or a podcast or just a video blog or so- something done with care. I mean, I feel like someone has to be doing it, but I just. I hope it's good at least because it is, um, you know, it's one of our sanctuaries. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird, like desperately wanting to to be in a movie theater and then also feeling like people are crazy for going to movie theaters right now. Yeah, yeah there's, there's people that go to movie theaters right now. Yeah. <laughs> or Disney <laughs> World. Look, Florida. Oh, Florida is yeah. a whole nother dimension. You know, I don't, I don't understand what they're doing. And my know, brother-in-law just moved to Florida, like actually a month ago. Which we were all just like, oh, okay. Yeah. What's what what what's going? You know, teach his own. But yeah, yeah literally. What what? Ketel, why Florida? He his eh, he has his his friends are there, and you know he had been living. He works for Google. He lived in Massachusetts, Boston, and he was living in Long Island with uh, my mother and father-in-law for, you know, from March through, you know, most of August or all of August. And then he just kind of couldn't do it anymore. He wasn't going to go back to Boston. And, and because he works for Google, he doesn't have to be back into any kind of an office until 2021. So his he used to live in Florida a long time ago, and a lot of his friends are still there. So it's just like he figured, yeah, I'll just go down there and... That's right. He's happy. I was just texting with him the other day because he's. Uh, it, it was meant to be that he's my brother-in-law. He's big into pro wrestling, so we uh, we connect on that. And I was just like, "How's Florida? Are you being safe? Any crazy stuff going on?" And he's just like, "No, no, it's great. It's great." So, well, you were talking about your love of weirdos. I'm sure there's some good ones in Florida. In Florida, hell yeah! Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> I've never feels been like there. that's. It does You've seem really into Florida. Place. No, yeah. I haven't. It depends where you go. So, like, a lot yeah. of... T- look, all the, the entire state is weird, but, like, when people have their, like, stereotypes about Florida, it's places... It's, like, Jacksonville, Orlando, you know, like, places like that. It's, like, Miami is almost like the Austin of Florida, and that Florida's still Florida. I'm not... It, it's not excluded, but, like, a lot of people just go to Miami and don't right. realize there's, like, a whole other state. Like, like oh, Tallahassee's another one. It's, like, it's it's the deep south. It's the south. And people just don't... You don't get that vibe when you're in, like, West Palm or, like, Fort Lauderdale or Miami. But every other place in the state of Florida, you're kind of reminded, like, oh, yeah. That's where I'm at. Gators, swamps, all that stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because if I ever Miami's... go there, I want 
I want it to feel like either Wild Things or the books of Charles Williford. Well, what, yeah. well Wild Things is, is more like West Palm, Fort Lauderdale vibe. <laughs> so, Good movie. Well, 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 yeah, it is. Well, well, uh, what, what, what were you saying, Scott? Or what uh, you say? Just that uh, Miami's a really nice place. It, there's a lot of art going on right now. Um, yeah, there is. Yeah. Um, and... I gotta, I gotta go grab something from the other room. But you, y'all, y'all talk, uh, y'all talk amongst yourself. Okay. Well, I mean, go back to floor. So it's also interesting too because I feel like most high-profile movies about Florida, whether like art house, commercial, independent, in bully. an interesting that way, bad, give it like that, a bad that name, movie kind bully. of. Yeah, there's like the Vernon, movie. Florida. You know, like the Errol Morris, yeah. but like Vernon, or like Florida, Florida, or like the Florida or what's Project. It called? Um, Oh, yeah, yeah. I was oh. just going to say that. Yeah. Why am I drawing a blank now suddenly? But yeah, like my Florida's a... We- oh, uh, Beach Bum... Oh, no, wait. Oh, not Beach Bum. Uh, Spring Breakers. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It is. I, I've always wanted a guy like Terrence Malick to make a film set in Florida. Um, that would kind of be like my, my, my dream film. <laughs> What's the most south you've ever you've ever gone? I'm, I'm just curious now because I, I feel like Florida's just one of the like, places like everyone's been oh what's um, the i've been to tennessee a few times uh oh cool place really that's pretty much my exposure to the south Uh, wow yeah okay question did 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 the tennessee airport feel like it was in a time capsule i literally felt like it was hadn't been like updated or remodeled since like jim Jarmusch is down by law since like 86 you know what i mean Or, or well 89 rather um it just had this old vibe that it was like stuck just stuck in the pet like in a time capsule like nothing the paint the carpet the everything hadn't been updated since like 82 <laughs> yeah or was that just me yeah it, isn't it um i think mystery train has maybe some scenes in the airport that i went oh to. not down by yeah well that's what yeah. i meant to say jesus mystery train the Elvis yeah. yeah of course uh, um, i get those movies mixed up sometimes yeah, I had a crazy experience in the airport there where our, our, our flight, the flight, uh, all the, fl- something was going on and because of a storm and somewhere and all the flights were getting canceled and there were, there was all this tension because people had been waiting for way too long and people were getting really, really upset and uh, it really, I, it got to the point where I was like trying to calm people down <laughs> and trying to talk oh, people wow. down because they were, and uh, and there was a guy who tried to run onto the plane, like as if that would they would be allowed to take off if some guy just ran onto the plane. Oh, and I felt so bad for these people that worked there because they were under so much pressure, and there seemed like there was no security around it. It was the most I felt like there was about to be a riot uh, happen in a long time. But uh, it's probably because it's American. You're reminding me of early, which it feels like it was years ago, but it was literally in 2020. I had my bachelor party in Iceland, and then we happened to get stuck in the second biggest snowstorm in Iceland history. So what? we got we had to, we got stuck back for two days. One of us one uh, one one of the guys in my group was ended up being stuck back in Iceland for four additional days, where everybody else was stuck there for two. But I just remember. It hit me because, like, I'm used to... I've traveled internationally a bit, but mostly nationally. And people in American airports really are the worst. And I just remember, like, 
even though it was it was a bit of chaos in terms of the volume of people in this Icelandic airport, everybody was like polite. Nobody was yelling. No one was giving the employees like a shitty time. It was really like mesmerizing. Like I, it, I, but I didn't realize it until after I got out of the airport and they put us. They gave us hotel vouchers. And I was like lying in bed and I was like, wow, everybody was so well behaved. Excuse, excuse me. Are we all made of stars? I will exactly. not. I will not be rude to you. Do you want to eat some fish? <laughs> I'm. I'm back. That's a weird fish. We're just uh, talking about airports. Meals in Iceland. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I don't miss airports. I miss movie theaters, and I miss hugging friends. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean. I do. Um, what what are you what are you excited about film wise besides jujitsu, uh, Vern? And what um, are you, some of your fav- and what are some of your favorites this year? Oh no. Uh, well, I just I just in the mail got a copy of Seized, which is the new Scott Adkins, uh, Isaac Florentine movie. So I'm excited to watch that. Nice. That's Mario Van Peebles in it. Whoa. Uh, oh, cool. And. Uh, I'm I'm not sure when it comes out, but the other random movie that has Tony Jaa in it, The Monster Hunter, that has a trailer out now, I'm kind of excited for that because it's uh, it's Paul W S Anderson and Mila Jovovich, and it's kind of like of course yeah, it's kind of like they stopped doing Resident Evil movies, so now they're doing I guess it's a video game, but it's you know people fighting giant monsters, and Tony Jaa has a sword that's as big as a person and. It looks fine. I have uh, a, I have a couple things to say to that, if if you don't let's mind. Paul W S Anderson is the is the superior Paul Anderson of film. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I guess it's nothing. It's <laughs> it's not it's not a point. I, I I don't when I say I don't care, I don't mean it in like in a rude way to you, Scott. It's just like I mean, okay, I guess. Yeah. I guess that's how I feel about both of them. I, yeah, I can't like, agree with that, but I do like Paul W.S. Anderson, especially over time. You know, I I, I like him more after... I, I, honestly, I didn't like the first Resident Evil movie, and so I didn't watch any of the sequels for years and years. And then finally I decided I should watch these movies, and it turned out I still didn't like the first one, but I liked all of the sequels, which are mostly directed by Anderson. And so, uh, Yeah, I mean, Paul T- Paul Thomas Anderson is good. I just like, you know, it's... I'm not trying to be like an edgy hipster. I just, I think Paul W.S. Anderson gets a bad rap and P.T. Anderson, you know, it feels like he can do no wrong. Um, Yeah, tell me about it. But you know what was really good underneath the Silver Lake? Uh, (laughs) It's a little... I haven't seen it yet, but I want to. It's it's really good. It's it's like... (laughs) Scott thinks it's really good. I think it's really good. Yes, that's yeah. it's true. I, I. No, I just want to make sure that like the because sometimes we do speak for each like the podcast. This is a movie that I I have to even though you weren't implying it, I still have to be extra careful and extra sure that listeners don't really think I like it. That's just I, my little dig. I really <laughs> to, like it. To, to it's directed movie. by David Robert Mitchell. Um, it, you know, remember I also really legitimately love. Uh, the last two Wachowski sisters movies, I legitimately love Southland Tales. Mm. There's certain movies that, 
you know, they're like, you know what? Let me put every ingredient in here and see what happens. And it works for me. And, you know, but Paul W.S. Anderson, you know, the first Mortal Kombat movie, I loved that as a kid. And though apparently Event Horizon was butchered, I enjoyed Event Horizon. And a good friend of our, sh our, of our show, Martin Kessler, through his love of the later Resident Evil movies, I think much like the Furious franchise, they just get better and better. Mm -hmm. Until the last one. The last, the one, last was one was rough. The final chapter was rough. Because of the shaky camera and stuff. Yeah, I, but, I didn't love but that. Yeah, I agree. But, I like how the... It, yeah, it got more and more interesting, and I like how they just completely mix it up like suddenly the next chapter has a totally different style than the previous one and and it's there's a lot of continuity that i wouldn't really be able to keep track of but uh but it's fun to uh, it just goes you know. it just goes for it and um you you did a very long series where you reviewed every resident evil movie yeah as i was watching them for the first time because you have you have like these little series you do for your website where you'll go through movies or genres or gears, and I really like when you do that, man. Like when you did the entire Highlander series, like everything. Yeah, thank you. That's yeah. That was that was one of my favorites. That was really fun to do. I I uh, I had only I think I'd, I'd seen the first two. And I actually have a soft spot for the second one. And maybe it's because I didn't grow up. I, ne I never saw the first one when I was young. Um, so now I think it's a good movie. And then I enjoy how just completely insane the sequel is. And, and then I, I, I just love uh, the, being able to analyze a movie, that, a series that happens over many years. And so you can see the different trends that show up you know, 10 years after the original and what yeah. happens to the series when it becomes a, a, a cheap Weinstein sequel and hmm. that sort of thing. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, what I can say about the Highlander movies is that I can watch them and enjoy, enjoy them for what they are and I don't need much out of it. Some, just, some, some I like better than others. I like the idea. It was a really great role-playing game. If you're into role-playing games, it's a fun role-playing game. Um, no, I think my friend made up a role-playing game. I don't remember. It was a long time ago. I'm having, like, I'm having trouble with the idea of time. You know, I think we all are. I'm yeah. really struggling. I'm really struggling with my late 30s and accepting things and realizing that I've been an adult for as long as I haven't been an adult. Oof. Exactly. You know what I mean? exactly. Yeah. No, I was just going to say, I, 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 I do, I always had a soft spot because Highlander has a, has a cool cameo from the fabulous Freebirds. Um, <laughs> and then you get, cause he goes to the wrestling show, which is so, which I always thought, which, so in the wrestling world, that was like a big deal because normally it's like, oh, we're at a basketball game or a baseball game. Like, no, we're at, you know, we're at a wrestling show. And and like a 
kind of indie wrestling show because it's like the Fabulous Freebirds. They were kind of like journeymen in the wrestling world, so that was kind of cool also. But um, I read too much yeah. of that scene. I thought I, I, I had this whole interpretation of how they're, they seem to be sort of this South Will Rise Again kind of themed team and that he's watching and he's this guy who's lived hundreds of years and been in all these wars and he was probably someone who was oh my god present at the civil war and i I just well that was their thing i mean you do know that was their thing right yeah well yeah but i read i read i had this whole interpretation i thought this was totally brilliant uh that they did this in there and then i read some behind the scenes stuff and it seemed like it was completely random that it was them in the scene so it really wasn't intended by <laughs> by anyone. no 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 but what i'm saying is your interpretation of it makes sense because the free birds yeah. there it wasn't so much they were just like they got popular in the southern territories but it was also like their whole thing was like the confederate flag they would say stuff like the south will rise again and like you know where the like that that was like their thing. It was like underlying like pride of the South, which is funny because the main guy from the Freebirds, Michael Hayes, is from Philadelphia in in, <laughs> in, in in real life. It's like a little known secret that came out a few years ago and everybody was like, wait, what? But um oh man, you're blowing my mind with that. That scene is incredible. They had the camera like hanging from a wire and floating yeah. through the stadium with, with a full crowd. It's really cool. Yeah. And I just have also you also wrote, um, you somehow were able to muster the bravery to review the Twilight series. I don't know. I found those movies really interesting because I, I was aware of them and some of the things that everyone hates about them or, you know, that certain people hate about them and certain people love about them. And, um, but I'd never seen any of them. And so I just watched all of them close together. And I, you know, I like you said about when I write about Seagal and stuff, it's like, I tried to approach it as, okay, some of this stuff is not for me. Some of it is crazy in a way that I really enjoy. And just trying to look at it in, in, in a sort of respectful, open-minded way and, and appreciate what's, what's crazy about it and try to understand uh, what, what some people love about it, whether or not I am part of that group, you know? And, you know, they're definitely weird movies. They have, like vampires that uh, split Played apart there. into like crystals and mm-hmm. the werewolves that are just a wolf that's the size of a horse walking through the woods and you know <laughs> like, yeah, uh, yeah and, I, and and there's an entire like thirty minute baseball game in the first one <laughs> and I <laughs> I've always felt like there's a little, there's kind of a a thing in our in our culture that hopefully is 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 kind of going starting to go away but where we as as dudes uh dominate the conversation about pop culture too much and and not that not that women in general would like twilight but the fact that it was aimed at like a young female audience was seen as as evidence of it being bad to some people Right, and, like I felt that way about Titanic, where it was like the most popular movie ever, and it happened to be most beloved by like a young female crowd, and therefore to certain people, it's like that's a bad, you know, that's inherently bad that that's, but you know, clearly movies should exist for anybody. But, so, but check it out. I just thought of an idea. Okay, we 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 remake Next of Kin. 
with, but with Kirsten Stewart and somehow instead of like it's Appalachia and you have the, you have the Russian mob and you have Oxycontin go you're there also you know what came out last week uh, a direct to video American Pie movie starring women instead of men oh, and really? it was great oh. what's it called because because it turns out that if you look at sex politics now, you know, over 20 years now, it's changed so much oh, yeah. that yeah, that that the flip really actually works. And it's a very different movie because sex politics have changed so much. And it was cute. And also, did y'all see Who Be Halloween? I haven't seen it uh, yet. I haven't seen it yet. You know, go- was, I'll, I'll was, watch it. You liked it? Yeah, it had a heart. It had a heart. It had no, like, it had like a nice, it had a nice moral to it. And, you know, it, it sort of had the energy and love of some of the earlier, you know, Adam Sandler movies. And while it's not as good as some of the 90s ones, it has, it has some characters from the old movies and, it's definitely better than a lot of his past Netflix movies, which is not saying a ton, considering how rough some of the those Netflix movies are. Yeah. But I haven't given up on Adam Sandler. And the Do Over is good. I still like the Do. I watched it again, and it and it holds up. Which one is that one? With David Spade, where uh, Adam Sandler is like the undercover agent, and Dan oh yeah, Spade that was. Like the- that was yeah. low key kind of good. Yeah, it was. I, I wanted to mention on your mm-hmm. on your one of the best of the decade episodes, you randomly brought up Accidental Love, the the David O. Russell movie. The, yes, uh, the unfinished David O. Russell yeah. movie, and I just yeah. wanted to say that it's it's worth checking out. It's like, yeah, if if you if you enjoyed. Uh, you know, like I Heart Huckabee's, like the humor of that. It's very much oh. that style. But I you do have like that movie still. You have to watch it under the understanding that it, like, think of it as a rough cut or something. Um, like the main, sure. the main problem with it is the score just seems completely wrong. <laughs> and then, and mm-hmm. then there's and there's parts where you're like, oh, clearly they didn't shoot a scene that explains why those guys have mud on them or whatever. But, uh, but that said, like I found it. I found myself uh, laughing really hard at a lot of that movie. So, I, okay. Vern, I, yeah, I just wanted Vern, to say it because it's such an obscure thing that people don't know exists, and the fact that you showed interest, I felt like you needed to have a recommendation. If there's anyone that would get me to watch this, it's it's you, Vern. <laughs> now I'm gonna feel bad if you hate it, but why? We're talking about our hobbies we're talking about the things we love you know uh a bad a bad dinner still means i got to eat dinner you know (laughs) i i I eat food every night (laughs) you know what i mean like life is good the fact that we get to occasionally record ourselves talk about movies it's all gravy man yeah it is Okay, like, I, have one, I have one more random one for you then. Okay. Um, did either of you see Capone? 
Yeah. Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. Never mind. Yeah. You yeah, can no. edit this part. Yeah, out. no. You can edit this part. No, out. no, we're not editing this part out. <laughs> I, I do I admit though, I, I appreciate the score is good. The score by LP is good and I was I was just gonna say I love that Josh Trank and LP have had this like interesting, like loyal relationship because like LP did some of the music for that uh, Fantastic Four movie. Then for a second, Josh Trank was going to do one of the Star Wars movies, and he was going to have LP score. Oh, was and LP he? actually? Oh, yeah, L- LP wrote about it. He well tweeted. It was like a series of tweets where he was just like, "Hey, so now that Capone's out and this is never going to happen, at one at one point, Josh Trank was going to direct a Star Wars movies, and he was going to have me do the score. So for he was like, so for about a month." I was I thought that I was gonna score a Star Wars movie and it fell through. And then, <laughs> but he had him do Capone, so it's like oh, kind man, of. I would have loved know. to hear that. Yeah, exactly. Oh yeah, that that would have been dope. Yeah. Um, yeah. Also, well, I, just, I love seeing Tom Hardy just really go hard into a role, and then I also, because of my experiences with with my dad having mm-hmm. dementia and stuff, like I just took that. Yeah. I found a lot of really something really kind of. You know, very sad, but also kind of beautiful about the way that it depicted just the frailty sure. of, of oh. the human body and mind. And like, yeah, I, I, uh, it seems like no one else reacted the same way I did to it, but I really liked it. Look, there I were mean, a couple of folks. It, 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 like, like any, literally any movie in the world, there's always going to be some audience, even yeah. if it's small. Like, yeah, there, there, mean, there, there's some Capone defenders. If you listen to, you did listen to the decade list, like, my one of my favorite movies is the killing of a sacred deer and it's mostly because it's about a kid exacting revenge on the doctor who may have accidentally caused his father's death yeah and my and my father passed away thank you thank you so i get it i get it and uh if you want to cry have you ever heard the song My Mom by Chocolate Genius? No. Um, it's going to make me cry. A, yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's about, it's about uh, his mother suffering from Alzheimer's. But oh, yeah. it's... I'm, I, I did warn you that you yeah, yeah, yeah. But LP it's fucking brilliant. LP has a good brilliant. one, too, about a friend dying. I think, or I think it's around the jewels. I, I mean, he has, he has a few. I mean, I yeah. imagine... Probably Camuteo. He he's had yeah. a few songs. He's had a uh, bunch of songs about, about Camus, and and uh, Aesop Rock has also had some songs about Camus. Yeah, Camus yeah. Um, could have been one of the greats. He had so much potential, and he, he uh, really could have. His his talent. He just kept on getting better and better and weirder and more interesting. And just a side note, because you brought up something from the, the last decade. So um, so the movie that we were talking about, Marcus, where they made a side movie with Javier Bardem in To the Wonder. Yeah, the Father Quintana movie. Yeah, yeah. The fa- uh, that's called Thy Kingdom Come. And it's, te- oh, did- it's technically not directed by Terrence Malick. It's directed by Eugene Richards. Um, but... Like they filmed it. You have to, it, yeah. I, I saw it at the Museum of Moving Image, so I and I don't know the next time I'll be able to see it. But it's I I, I just I forgot the name. But um, it's yeah. available for rent. But oh, dur- it is. Oh, during, oh okay. during the making of To the Wonder, they made another movie with one of the characters, like 
you know, using the sets and stuff, which is something that I've always, like, thought would be kind of cool. Like, if someone's filming a movie, you'd be like, hey, man, can I borrow some of your lights and some of the costumes? I'm going to do my own shit real quick. But that's, that, that's like any, well, maybe not the first two, but from Thin Red Line up to now, there's, like, entire actors who have been cut out of movies from Terrence Matt. Like, like Thin Red Line, it's like, Martin Sheen, Gary Oldman, like a couple of folks filmed scenes for that movie that like we'll never see. You, you know what I'm saying? Like Into the Wonder, not the movie that Scott was talking about, but Into the Wonder, like Amanda Peet and Michael Sheen are in the film. Yeah. Are, well, are, are in the, you know, their build, but they like their scenes just like didn't show up. You know what I'm saying? Like song to song, Christian Bale film scenes for song to song and he didn't even like is, isn't even in it. So it's like. It, it, it makes sense. I'm just glad that there's like an actual separate... It's cool that there's like a separate m- movie though instead of like a director's cut with just like, you know, meandering scenes. Not not not, not that I mind because I love everything t- New Age Terrence Malick does, but still. Yeah, do you like Terrence Malick, uh, Vern? I do, but I'm... I'm very... I'd say I'm ignorant about him because I hadn't... I haven't seen most of his movies, but when Tree of Life came out on video, uh, that was the first I saw, and it really it hit me really hard. That was actually, you know, I don't know what I was going through at the time, but something about the way that he shoots, uh, so much of it, so that you kind of see the perspective of a of a kid where like the camera is low, mm-hmm. and and stuff like that. It like like I started remembering things from my childhood that I hadn't thought about, like in the middle of watching the movie and I totally like broke down crying. And, uh, and my, yeah. My, my, my now, I don't think, I don't think we were married at the time, but my wife uh, was just like, what's wrong? You know, it, like it seemed out of the blue, like what, what's wrong? And, um, and I, I always do that to you. Again, I, but I really appreciate that because it was 100%. I mean, it had to do with things I was going through in my life, but also it was definitely just like how potent that filmmaking is and, and what it was capturing about memories and childhood. And, you know, so even without remembering that movie in a lot of detail, I just think of it as being an incredible film. And what, so what you're saying is that you got, the tree of life is the reason why you got married. (laughs) (laughs) no but (laughs) no i i know i'm just i'm just making i'm making a joke that's that's a thing i do sometimes it's a it's a deflection that's what my therapist says but as we as we start to to wind down um do you have anything else you'd like to talk about or bring up or you know bring up before we before we uh close the 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 trilogy of Vern. the first trilogy it's a lot of pressure oh no no pressure i i want it to be a good part three i think so far it's a pretty good part three what do you think marcus yeah awesome i want it to be the return of the jedi where maybe some people think it's bad but i think it's one of the best I mean, Iron Man three is my favorite superhero movie, which I and I already said that earlier, so you know I'm not lying. I mean, I think Thor three is the best of the Thor movies. I think and, I think most people think that. 
Yeah. What else? Uh, no, I'm just getting Winter Soldier. I think is the but, but still, whatever. There's, <laughs> there's there's some great threes. There's some Park good threes. threes. We're there's not some, in, we're some not really at the ones. we're not in the time where threes are now always bad. You yeah, know. Yeah. Rambo also Rambo three though problematic and dedicated to the Taliban is a <laughs> not joking is is kind of a fun movie. Yeah, I like that he's. I like the beginning when he's in the living in a like a Buddhist monastery and stick fighting, <coughs> stick yeah. fighting for a living. That's a good way yeah. to start any sequel, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, what are you looking forward to? What's going on? How would you like to? How would you like to close? Uh, I don't know. I'm just. I'm. It's a cliche, but in October, I'm just. I mostly watch horror movies and uh, more than more than usual. And it's a little harder in the pandemic because, I, you know, my wife doesn't like the violent ones and we're stuck in the apartment. But, uh, sure. uh, you know, you got to you, you got to figure out you got to negotiate when the when the more gory stabbing ones happen. Uh, yeah. It's the same way here. My wife isn't big into horror movies, so it's it's like you got to watch one because it's fun to watch with someone who gets scared. But it's also like I need my time to watch them also because I like these movies, you know, as well. Yeah, <laughs> I have to I have to watch them like in the morning by myself because if I watch them at night, I'll have nightmares. And Saskia, my partner, isn't watching them with me, um, and I have. I'm I'm excited for Possessor, and I checked out Blood Quantum at your recommendation, Vern, and I put a bunch of people onto that one. Yeah, it's good, right? It's got its potential, you know. Yeah. There's there's some it's there's some perfect, snags. It's there's some snags, but it shows, you know, I liked it. Yeah. I'm excited to see that uh, Peninsula, the the Train to Busan sequel. It's a. Did you do you know Train to Busan? Uh, uh, no. It's a. Uh, oh, I recommend that. It's a really good Korean zombie movie. And okay. Yeah, just just like Blood Quantum, I I've feel, heard good things. Yeah, I feel I feel dumb saying watch a zombie movie because it seems like, what what possibly could they do more with zombie movies? But this is one where, <laughs> yeah, this was another movie that made me cry. <laughs> Train to Busan. It's a. It's yeah, a. Well. It's mainly like fighting zombies on a train, but it's very character-driven, and and you just become very attached to these characters and really wanting them to get through it. And uh, and anyway, there's a uh, there's a sequel to it that's new characters and takes place a long time later, and it seems like kind of a Fury Road-inspired movie. And it's it's played in theaters, but I'm not crazy so i'm not going to a theater but yeah you, i mean you, you sold it. me you sold yeah. me this sounds awesome um and but i just want to point out that like my fear of of horror movies and zombie stuff is that us just mentioning zombies just now like just like i'm like oh i'm gonna i might have <laughs> i might have to take a bubble bath <laughs> b- before i go to bed <laughs> Cause like it, it, I get like I had to stop watching Walking Dead, because I just would have such bad nightmares. I'm just it's oh. just like it just really upsets me. Um, and also, 
the the wailing that was really good that that was oh, yeah. that was a korean uh zombie-ish movie and it just shows that really it's all about like you can you can do an old thing a thing that's and just flip it and and make it interesting like yeah you know what I mean? And if you can make, like, I think the whole, like, oh, this is a genre, this is a blah, 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 is, like, kind of bullshit and elitist, but you can take any topic and add emotion to it and make it dope. And so when you tell me you were crying watching a zombie movie, I'm like, dope, because, like, why not? <laughs> it's true. You know true what story. I mean? uh, yeah. Vern, it's always a pleasure to have you on. Yeah, man. Thank you. I, I enjoy talking to you guys. Awesome. Don't let the brother rap for a minute. Let me get in. They got some things I want to speak about. The topic's going to creep about. Hey, Pete, a young man around 20. Really, he ain't ballin'. Basically, ain't got no money. There's nobody on his side. Cause his love is the ones and twos. Back and forth all night. Making it right. Now, everybody in his cypher got something to say. Hey, yo, you need to quit scratching, man. That shit won't pay. And Pops kicked him out. Put his tables on the street. Just cause he wasn't down with the ITT. But he knew they catch the vapors one day or another. So he dropped his boy a please to take him down to his brother. Now he cooling with his brother, but he bugging about the papes. Ain't trying to hit the little club on Wednesdays and mixtapes. That junk ain't paying no bills. Who you trying to fool? So once again, this Jackie Joe Blow is on the moon. And now he's house to house, sleeping on the floor. With his jacket for a blanket, steady he thinking about before. All he needed was his peeps to sit and watch him succeed. Nobody blows up overnight and every one of us needs. Some kind of push and support. Without that, you saw to slip, get the drinking and flipping, not thinking and always wishing, yo, I got a solution, it's called showing some love, we all guilty of not doing it, you can hear it above, it's like, sit back, you wind your mind, your mind from the grinding. What the world needs now is love, hope, and support. Greed, got a bleeding teacher making money for sport and cash. Role models for by little kids that love them Swiss beat shit. When I was young, I watched Sesame Street. To all you young B-boys, keep doing your thing. Don't let them tell you otherwise, cause you ain't making no green. American cash machine keeps rolling with or without. We got a subculture to say. And I'll be damned if I shout some shit over tracks and swag to make a fat stack of cheese. Hip-hop is my art, only myself I can please. It doesn't matter what you want to be focusing, move. Ahead. Make sure you do it for yourself and not off what some other said Cause when you go that way, it ain't from the heart What we do is what we've been doing from the start Ain't making music for executives sitting behind the desk I tell the fools to eat a dick and bring it live to their chest Cause this is art that we created, you'll get paid with respect A little patience and pride, and with that, you pose a threat Take a heed, young brother, to the words I speak Unless you wanna see your promos lying there in the street Cause money is man-made, and anytime it can't be gone Just keep that spark one up and keep the words to the song Sit back and wind up behind your mind When push comes to shove, I rise above, sort of Keep my eyes, mind focused on the goal, that is love So when fans give it, I rip it, return it, earn respect See, I'm in it for that, and not a fat paycheck 
On that scene, oh, you can quote this, cause I said it's true. Money doesn't equal happiness, no matter who smiles and piles checks. While I'm on the steps, drinking becks with my friends. Peace in our 40s, cause we don't got ends. Memories like that to me are Los Angeles palm trees. Live landmarks telling me the city's at ease. My friends are worth G's. Enemies can sit in pawn shops. I'ma worry about the rip and when the sunset stops. Listen to simple pleasures and measures are always greater. What? Like double K ripping fat back apart on crossfaders. Little girls laughing and waiting for ice cream trucks. These images I wouldn't trade for a million bucks. So when chasing the gold gets rough and says life sucks, remember the line is silver and that's always good enough. So when chasing your gold gets rough and you lose. Steam. Count your blessings, my peoples, don't be so mean.